0: What we do in life echoes in eternity. I'm going to say that again because I love that quote. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Jesus had a really different outlook on life than most of us do in a lot of different ways. And here's just one way. We've mentioned this here before. This is Matthew 5, uh, 11 through 12. Blessed are you when men hate you. When they exclude you, revile you, cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Now that's kind of a weird thing to say, right? <laughs> rejoice when bad things happen to you on account of Jesus. Like, why rejoice? That, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And he finishes that, that verse with, for great will be your reward in heaven. And so he's saying that even when difficult things in life happen, we can rejoice, not in some weird masochistic kind of way. Okay, that's not what he's saying. He's not talking about being fake Christians where we pretend everything is wonderful even when we're having a pretty lousy week. Okay, that's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying that even when things are not going well, we talk a lot about circumstances this year not being, not being ideal in our lives, or when things are happening to us, Or God asks us to make a choice that's difficult or involves sacrifice or suffering. Jesus is saying we can do that with joy, knowing that, as it says here, great will be your reward in heaven. Great will be our reward in heaven. And so temporary suffering, temporary difficulty is a trade-off for something that we get in eternity. Something great, some kind of reward. And Jesus is saying, that's a good trade, so you should be happy about this. It's actually to your benefit eternally if you suffer a little bit. If God asks you to do things and it's difficult, it's to your benefit that you go through that because your reward in heaven will be great. And God is a loving, wonderful father, right? He knows us. He knows what our eternity is going to be like. And he wants that to be as good as possible for us. He wants us to experience the fullness of that as much as we can. And so he sometimes allows us to go through things so that we can experience more than. And I never used to think about that. Um, because when I was younger, you know, you just don't think about that kind of thing when you're younger. You tend not to have a long-term view <laughs> of much when you're young. Um, but it's worth going through unpleasant things in order to get a reward. Have you ever worked a job you didn't like? Anybody ever worked a job you didn't like? Probably everybody here, right? Um, why did you work it? To get paid. Yo, come on. You, you, you'd go through the difficulty to get the reward at the end. And you determine that it's worth it because you got to eat, right? And so you work a job. My, my first job was a paper route. Uh, my second job was as a dishroom technician and sanitation engineer at uh, Baker Square in Northtown. And um, that job straight up sucked. It really, I mean, everything about the job was horrible. Absolutely, absolutely horrible. And yet, every time I was supposed to show up, I showed up. Why? For that paper. That massive $5.50 an hour that I was getting enticed me to show up to work. And also, they would sometimes give away... Slash throw away the pies at the end of the day that didn't sell, and so I would go on the hope of getting free pie, and my dad would be like, "So Nate, you're gonna bring home everything you can, right, tonight?" But this that job to this day is still my dad's favorite job that I've ever had, because <laughs> he got a lot. Of, he'd wake up in the morning, "What do we got? Oh, there's three pies in here." Um, it was very. He loved that job. Um, And so I went for the rewards. That's why I went through the difficulty, the suffering of each shift for the reward, the pie, and also the money. Um, And I used that money to buy my first guitar, which is the guitar Steph plays um, during worship. So suffering through that horrible, wet, disgusting, nasty job allowed me to purchase something that's still being used to praise the Lord now. Okay, So sometimes it's worth going through difficulty in order to get the reward. Jesus understood that. Great will be your reward in heaven is what he said. And so a reward is given to us because of something we do, right? Something we do or something we go through. And if we don't do that thing, we don't get the reward. If I don't show up for work, I don't get paid. Definitely don't get the pie, right? And so rewards are given um, when we do what it is. That we're supposed to do, and sometimes the things God asks us to do aren't easy, sometimes they're not that fun, and sometimes there is some difficulty to them. But it's, I find it very helpful to know during those times that there is a reward that's coming, even if we don't see the reward now, even if we don't see it on earth. It's like we're investing in our future. Now, Jesus talks about this concept of heavenly rewards actually a lot. It's it's all through the gospels and it's all through the writings of Paul too. It's actually a pretty pervasive doctrine. Um, people don't talk about it as much these days, and I think there are some reasons for that. But um, I'm going to throw out just a couple verses: Matthew 16:27, six, uh, "God will reward each person according to their deeds." So according to what we do, we are rewarded. Matthew 19:21, "You will have treasure in heaven." So there's treasures. There's there's stuff. I don't know. Is that are those physical things? Are, are they experiences? Is it knowledge? I, I I don't know. But there's treasure. There's treasure is something to be valued, right? And so there will be treasure in heaven, and there will be more treasure in heaven. It says for those who obey. Luke fourteen fourteen. You will be blessed, and you will be repaid at the resurrection. So when we pay things now, when we invest now in the kingdom of God, or we pay a penalty of sacrifice, suffering, difficulty for following what it is the Lord wants us to do, God says we will be repaid at the resurrection for all of those things. And we'll go through a few more of these verses later, but there's tons of them, tons of them. So there's a pretty big theology of rewards uh, in the New Testament. And I want to dive into that a little bit, but before I do, I want to backtrack just so that we're all on the same page. And understand that when I'm talking about rewards in heaven, I'm talking about Christians who are rewarded according to what they've done. Christians. Okay? We don't get saved by good deeds. Christians who are already saved get rewarded based on their deeds and based on what they do. Okay? That's what the Bible says. But we're not saved based on what we do. And this, some people, I think, get hung up on this. But it's a really important distinction, really, really important distinction. Another way to put it is our belief determines where we spend our eternity. Our behavior determines how we spend our eternity. Okay? Our belief determines where we spend our eternity. And where we spend our eternity is heaven if we receive what it is that Jesus has done for us. Amen? We are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. I'll just read it. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. So Paul's making it crystal clear here. We're saved by the grace of God through our faith and believing that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin for us. And when we receive that truth into our lives, when we receive him into our lives— then God adopts us into his family. Amen? He places us in Christ. He places his Holy Spirit in us. Okay, that's being saved. That's being born again, whatever you want to call it. That experience happens through the grace of God and through believing and accepting by faith what it is that he's done for us. So that has nothing to do with what we've done. The the most philanthropic, giving, generous person who's ever lived will receive no eternal reward if they haven't received Jesus. That's sad, but it is a fact, according to the scripture. And they won't have any eternal life at all. (laughs) Not only will they not have extra rewards in that eternal life, they won't have eternal life. Eternal life is reserved for those who have received Jesus Christ, who have confessed with their mouth that he is Lord, uh, confessed with their mouth that he is Lord and received him in their heart. And I think we all understand this, so I'm going to move on. But if you have any questions on that, always, please feel free to come and talk to me. Um, sometimes we come in contact with people in oh, often at work and different places who aren't saved, who aren't born again, who maybe don't understand some of these distinctions. Or maybe they have went to church a lot when they were young or even go to church now, but they haven't really received Jesus. This this happens pretty regularly because maybe nobody just told them. this. No, you don't just show up. Doing something doesn't get you into heaven. Showing up to church doesn't get you into heaven. Writing checks for the offering doesn't get you into heaven. Saying praise Jesus, even reading your Bible, none of that stuff gets you into heaven. Only Jesus can get you into heaven because only Jesus can pay the penalty for those sins. Some people, they haven't got that yet. They haven't heard it. They haven't understood it. And so it's important for us that we know how to tell people that, how to walk them through it and explain it, not in a preachy way, not in a I'm going to get you saved in the next 10 minutes. Like, no, th- this this is a relationship if you if you know somebody Um, and you're having maybe difficulty in conversations come and talk to us come and talk to one of us um, and we can help coach you through that because many of us have done that um, with people and it's we all need somebody in our life to do that and god is probably going to use each and every one of you in other people's lives probably many times to be the one who can talk to them about who jesus is and who jesus wants to be for them and so we're saved Not by our deeds. No matter how wonderful we think those deeds are, that's not what saves us. Jesus saves us. But once we're saved, then our deeds mean something forever. Everybody with me and see the difference between those two things? So our belief determines where we spend eternity. And our behavior determines how we spend our eternity. Not everyone is going to be equal in heaven. Heaven has inequality, and that is a very unpopular belief, probably, these days. Um, Inequality has become an inherently negative word, but that's not originally true. Inequality is simply a statement of fact. Not all these chairs are equal. Some are in the sun, some are in the shade. Some might wobble, (laughs) some might not. That's inequality. That's not bad or good. It just is. You practice inequality every day, every time you go to the grocery store. If if you want a big bag of apples, you don't just go, apples, tie it up and walk away. No, no, no. You look at the apples. You check them out. You see see if there's anything wrong with them, right? Because not all apples are equal. And so you make a distinction between that inequality in your everyday life. We all do all the time. And so inequality isn't inherently bad. And there will be inequality in heaven because there will be rewards. And some people receive a certain reward and others do not. And that's what Jesus talks about over and over again. And so, um, and in heaven, I I don't believe we're going to have, like, jealousy about, oh, man, look at all Seth's rewards. I wish I had those. You know, like, I don't think we're going to have that jealousy because we will have been washed and, and remade. Um, and I, I don't think we're going to have shame over what we don't have and what we missed out on. But we'll be aware of it. We'll know it. Uh, but I don't think there will be shame. I don't think there will be jealousy. But there... There won't be equality in that sense. Now, we'll all be equally loved. We're all equally saved. We're all happy. Heaven's a good place for everybody. Even if you make it in, in the 11th hour by the skinnier teeth, heaven is still awesome because it's life eternal in the presence of God. That is fantastic. Okay? Compared to any alternative, that is awesome. Um, but beyond that, in our experience in heaven, there is going to be some differences. And your choices on earth have a direct consequence on that life in eternity. Our choices on earth have a direct consequence on our life in eternity. Um, I had, in preparing this message, I had thought about a whiteboard, and I see I don't have a whiteboard because I'm outside. So I'm going to use a piece of paper, and you guys pretend you can see what I'm going to draw. I'm going to draw a line, and this line represents your life. Draw a line. Okay. So there's a line. Let's say that line represents your life, Okay. Now, if I was going to draw an accurate representation of your life, this line would have to keep going, right? Because how long is our life? Eternal. It's forever. And to quote Jeff Goldblum, forever, which is a long time. And so this line, if I was to draw it to scale, I would have to keep going. And it would go over the creek and past the college and to Wisconsin and to Uganda. And to Saturn's outer moon. Okay? Because this line will never end. It will keep going forever. Imagine a line. Imagine drawing a line from here to Wisconsin. That's a big line. Now imagine drawing it all the way to Uganda. To Sat- We're talking about a long line here. A long life. Settle in, people. Okay? Our life is long. It is eternal. Now... I'm going to write, draw a representation of our life on earth. Because the eternal life has already begun. The moment we were created, our life began. And we think of this life versus that life, but really it's just a stage. It's like being in school versus graduating. It's two different states of being. Being single versus being married. The, the, uh, w- w- death is not an end. Death is a threshold. We walk from one room into another room. That is all death is. This, this idea that death is ending and, and all this kind of stuff comes from people who are terrified of death because they don't believe that there's anything afterwards. But that's not true. Death is walking through a door. And so here, here, here's your her life. Here's the line. This little dot, every we see this little dot here at the beginning, that's the part of your eternal life that's on Earth. OK, that little dot. And you die and you continue living in heaven. And Paul's talked about that the last couple of weeks: Heaven, the new Earth, all of that eternity. And this line goes on forever. This little dot is the entirety of your life on Earth. Compared to the line, this is really small. I don't just mean what I drew. I mean in reality. You're 80, 90, 119 years? 119 sounds good, right? But who cares? Honestly. 79, 119? who cares? This is huge. This is forever. I'm serious. I'm not saying it's not sad when when people go before their time. I'm saying we need to see this stuff from perspective. We are eternal beings. We will never not exist. Whoa. Crazy. God never not existed all the way in the past as well. (laughs) But we will never not exist moving forward along with God. And this little bit of life that we have on earth, our be- the beginning of our life, the baby stage, the eggshell before we break out of the egg into heaven, that's actually pretty good. I'm going to write a blog about that. Um, so, so this whole life is like the eggshell that we live inside of, and then we break out, and then we move into eternity. And so this is small, this is big. I think we see, I think we see this, right? What if I told you that this life, this long line that goes to Saturn and to the next galaxy and past, is affected by what happens here. And that what you do here has an impact on what you experience here and these are terrible smiley faces, um, representing rewards! I, I'm not an artist. I, I need someone to be here like doing something better. Next time, so Linda, maybe you can do that. Um, so Bottom line of this entire sermon is this. Jesus intends us to live for the line and not the dot. To live for the line and not the dot. The dot is the beginning. This is where we make all the choices that affect the line, that affect our eternal life. And Jesus wants us to make the choices, to follow him, to invest not in this world, but to invest in the world to come, the next life. You can't take it with you. Everybody knows that. Even non-Christians know you can't take it with you. And so if that's true, why not invest everything that you are on earth into a place where you can take it with you forever, in eternity? That's what Jesus wants to do. That's why I think he keeps talking about having rewards and getting rewards for various things. And he talks about it over and over and over again. Paul talks about it too. They were almost obsessed with this idea. And I think it's because they got eternity to a small degree. They at least got the concept that this is a long time versus now on Earth, which is a short time. And if I can do something now that affects eternity, that is the best possible investment ever made. That is the best deal I could ever hope for. We should really, really do that. Okay. Any questions so far? Um, When most of us think of the future, Like, tell me about your future. What are some things about your future? I think most of us would talk about, here's, we'd talk about maybe kids, grandkids, retirement. Those are things in our future. But those are all things in the future of the dot. Those are the very near future. I think when we think about our future, we need to think about our real future. Our full future. (laughs) That keeps going on forever. And not think... Let's let's not try to come up with a 30-year plan for retirement. Let's try to come up with a 30,000-year plan for retirement. I'm really serious about that. Heaven, if you look at heaven as a retirement idea, I haven't fully fleshed out this idea, but I'd like to. If you look at heaven as retirement, like we, we understand saving for retirement, right? That's something most of us in America learned, either from TV or parents or, or somebody, a financial person. And the concept that if we sacrifice a little bit now, we will have enough for later. And if we sacrifice a little more now, we'll have a lot for later to be able to enjoy. That's the concept of retirement planning. And I think that's a fantastic concept, except I'm not as much for enjoying it here on earth as, as much as I am for enjoying it for eternity. We can sacrifice now so that for 30,000 years and 30 million years, we can enjoy that retirement. And that what we sacrifice now is invested. It is slayed up. Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures. Where? Heaven. Where moth does not destroy and rust does not destroy. Th- th- there is nothing that can take away those rewards when we invest it into the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is saying, this is how you invest, folks. This is how you invest. I'm just talking about money. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about character. I'm talking about how we act and what we do. Jesus, I think, wants our mind and our focus to be absolutely enveloped by this concept of eternity that everything we do now has impact on later now i'm not i'm not saying that we should be selfish and the reason we should obey god is so we can get rewards i'm not saying that i I, i've talked to people who've gotten hung up on this we should you know we we follow god and we obey because we love jesus and because we want to respond to what he has done for us absolutely that's the primary reason we do these things but there's a secondary reason we do these things and it's for rewards and that's not bad that's not selfish that's good that's why jesus kept talking about it that's why you offer your kids allowance that's why a lot of good employers offer incentive to their employees rewards are important um i have so many verses i have to find the one i want um Hebrews 11:6 Without faith it is impossible to please God for he who comes to God must first believe that he exists pretty low bar right so we're talking bedrock stuff the author of Hebrews here is talking about the most basic things we need to believe about God Hebrews 11:6 He who comes to God without faith is impossible to please God. So we want to please God. We want to have the kind of faith that pleases God. And so he starts with the most basic things. He lists two here in verse 6. He who comes to God must first believe that he exists. That seems obvious. And second, that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. The idea of God being a rewarder is one of the most basic truths of who God is. God is a rewarder. Of those who seek him he is a rewarder it's what he does it's part of his nature and i think that the devil i know that the devil tries really hard to destroy our view of who god is he tries to warp our picture of who god really is paul mentioned this earlier in that prayer referring to the um to the parable of the talents the guy who knew his master was a hard man. That wasn't true. He, he had his picture of his master warped. And the master there, of course, is God. And we sometimes get our pictures of God warped. And the devil loves to do this. And one of the ways in which he's done this, I think, um, for many people that I know, is he's warped the idea that God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. A lot of Christians don't believe God's a rewarder. They don't believe God's generous. They think of God as a stingy, miserly old man, like Scrooge, before the ghosts. Okay? They think of God like Scrooge. That is very very much not who God is. God is not Scrooge behind the before the ghosts. Okay? God is generous. God is a rewarder. We must believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. God is Scrooge after the ghosts. Okay? That's who God is. God is buying the ridiculously huge turkey that's bigger than the kid. God is buying all these lavish presents to hand out to everybody. That's who God is. God is Scrooge after the ghosts. He's the like, you're crazy generous, this is ridiculous, but you're having a ton of fun. That's who God is. Read this book once from that perspective. Is God generous or not? Is he a rewarder or not? It's very clear. This is a part of who he is and he loves it. He loves to reward. And so it's in no way bad or selfish to live your life in such a way that you earn as many rewards as possible. Jesus wants you to do that. That's why he says, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Because he wants us to inherit the earth. Amen? He wants us to have that reward. Um, He says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He wants us to do this. He is a rewarder. It's part of who he is. Anybody have any questions on that? I know there's a lot of stuff here, and we got a lot of verses. Um, Luke 14 Verse 13 and 14, this is a good one. Luke 14, 13 and 14. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. But you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And so he and he's being literal here, not just metaphorical. He's saying, literally, if you throw a big party, don't just invite your friends. Don't just spoil your friends. Bring a bunch of people who can't pay you back. Give to the poor. Not just even though they can't pay you back. Like, that's the first step. Give to people even if they can't pay you back. And Jesus said that previously in the gospel. Give to people even if they can't pay you back. That's generosity. But now he's saying, give to people because they can't pay you back. Because when you do that, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. It's right here, black and white. And so as we give to the poor, as we help those who can't help themselves, as we help people, pray for people, bless people who can't pay us back, that is an investment into the kingdom of God in the future. We are investing with everything we do. Our character itself is an investment and everything we do out of godly character is an investment in the future every prayer you pray in the middle of the night when god brings someone to your heart that is an investment and that will be rewarded in eternity every dollar in the offering plate every person you give a cup of cold water to it literally says and there's a number of specific things that we could look at we're not gonna have time today to look at them all um there are specific things that will get rewarded and so nothing goes unnoticed by god and it says god who sees what is done in secret will reward you in public, openly God who sees what he's done in secret will reward you openly uh, Matthew 6, 6, yeah that's cool and that is an exact an exact representation of what we're talking about here. And it's that's also directly out of the parable of the go invite everybody to the wedding feast. Bring them in. There's not enough people here. Go get more. All that's left is those those people. Yeah, go get those people. Bring them too. We want everybody at the party. Um, and by the way, this is a great way to get more people at the party. If you want to have more influence on people, if you're like, I, I've never... Helped anyone become a Christian, I don't think, in my life. A great way to do that is to give people stuff to help them (laughs) to be generous. The Bible says, and we read this a few weeks ago when we talked about money, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. So that with them, you store up for what? Eternal life. Use worldly wealth to gain friends. So that you can store things up in eternity through them, through those friendships. So again, investing for eternity it's all over the place in the and mm-hmm. The, the people who say, oh, there they go, are the ones who aren't doing anything. Yep. Yeah, the people, the people who are saying that already have no reward and they know it because they're doing nothing. And to try to justify themselves and make themselves feel better for doing nothing, they're going to try to pull you down for doing something. It's crabs in a bucket. You guys know this? You put, people who go crabbing, you just throw them in a bucket. Crabs can walk. They can get out of the bucket, but they never get out of the bucket. You know why? Because one will climb on top of the other ones and it'll be climbing on top of each other and eventually it'll make its way out and it'll get one hook over and it'll try to get the other hook over and one of the crabs from down below will grab that sucker and yank him back down. Every single time. And a crab will not get out of the bucket. They pull each other back down. You cannot do that. Who do you think you are? It's true. And it's part of the fallen nature of the world. It's part of the fallen nature of the world and humans are the same way, aren't we? Sadly, and this is making me hungry for crab, by the way. Um, so, so don't worry about those folks. Pray for them. Pray that they get a hold of this generous spirit and an understanding of this so that they can have rewards um, as well. Other, other questions, other thoughts? So let me ask you, do you think as you're living your life right now, are you focusing on the dot or on the line? We need to ask ourselves that, I think, regularly. Are we living our life primarily for now, primar- including slightly in the future of now, like retirement? I think that's a great example. Are we living our life for now, for that, for the dot? Or are we living our life for the really, really, really long line of our lives that is eternal forever? I'm not, no condemnation here, but this is a question. Jesus raises this question often. Paul raises this question as well are we living our life for now, or are we living our life for eternity? Um, And when I I really got a hold of this, I I feel like it changed a lot of things. Like, it's just a mindset switch. I think you flip that switch and you start to shift your focus from now to eternity. And I don't always do it right. (laughs) And sometimes I mess up and need to be reminded, oh right, this doesn't really matter. It's not that big of a deal. Okay, what matters is is eternity. there's one experience I do want to share specifically. Um, right after... Sarah's about to graduate from medical school. This is 2005. Um, we planted a church at the U of M. I'm pastoring that church. I graduated from seminary. Sarah's about to graduate from med school. And she's in the Air Force. And so they determine where she goes for residency, which is the next four years of our life. And... So we we're filling out the form of where do you want to go? There's a lot of bases. They allow you to rank your choices, and then a monkey throws a dart at bo- a dartboard, and then you go where the, the where the monkey dart told you to go. Um, I'm pretty sure that's how they do it. And so, so no, it's no. They literally the military has used monkeys for a long time. They've used monkeys for a long time. They sent them to space. They put them in in submarines. Um, so. I was praying about this, and and where do we want to go? Well, there's a couple bases in California, and if you get a chance to live in California for free, you do that, right? That's like a rule. Um, or Hawaii, but they didn't have OBGYN in Hawaii, so that wasn't an option for us. But because that was their specialty. But so I'm like, yeah, I want to go to Hawaii. And so we're praying about this, and I felt the Lord say to me, "You have been really faithful in this last season," and so. As a reward, I'm going to let you choose where you want to go for the next season. I was like, wow. Okay, sweet. Uh, that sounds good. And so we talked and prayed about it a little bit. And and we, we came to this decision, and I brought it to the Lord. I said, okay, you know I want to go to California because I think that would be really fun. Um, you gave me the choice. And I'm going to choose to go wherever you want us to go the most. That's where we want to go. So we choose your will be done. That's what we choose. Um, this is like Christianity 101, right? When we're, when we're left with a choice, we always choose your will be done. We say, God, whatever you want. And if it doesn't matter to you, I like California. You understand that. Um, but wherever you want us to go, that's where you want to go. And so we're waiting, and, and I'm, I'm in, a, in an expectant mood, um, and eventually we get the determination letter in the mail, and I'm reading through it. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Post. Dayton, Ohio. This isn't California at all. That, the, Dayton, Ohio is not even a little bit California. This is like anti-California. Okay. What is happening here? And, you know, this year we've been talking a lot about how to respond to our circumstances. And I've been growing in this over the years. And this is one of the times, I will confess, I blew it. Okay? I did not respond well or godly. I was really bummed. And I was really disappointed with God. Because I had this idea that because I made the right choice, I would get what I wanted. Honestly. God, I chose your will be done. Aren't you proud of me? Daddy, did you see what I did? Did you see it? Daddy, daddy, dad, dad, daddy, dad, dad, daddy. Did you see what I did? Did you see it? Did you see it? I painted this pretty picture. And I had this idea in my little childlike brain that I would get what I wanted, and I didn't. And so I was bummed. And I threw a little pity party. And, you know, God is so kind to us, even when we blow it. <laughs> and even when we, we, we do this kind of stuff and don't respond the way we should. And I, I'm having a prayer time which is really just me complaining to God about how mean he is and how terrible it will be to move to Ohio and leave my family and friends and church and everything. I wasn't complaining about that when I was moving to California. but um, So I was complaining to God in my prayer time, and God, in his kindness, reminded me of this verse that I looked up, which is Matthew nineteen twenty nine. 29. And so I looked it up, and I read it, and it says this. Everyone who has left houses... Or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. And so God gave me that verse and I was like, whoa, I'm I'm literally leaving my home. I've spent my whole life in Minnesota. (laughs) I'm leaving my home. I'm literally leaving brother and sister and father and mother. I'm leaving my land, this place. Because I told God, I'll go where you want me to go. And this is where he's sending us, is this place. So we're giving all this stuff up for God. And I also, we, I felt like we gave up California too. Because I think that was a real option. And we gave that up because we said, your will be done. And here, Jesus says that when you do that, when you give things up for him, when you sacrifice for him, you'll receive, not just will you be repaid at the resurrection, you'll receive a hundredfold yeah, and in other, in other places, it talks about in this life and the life to come, both. And so that really encouraged me, actually. That helped me get out of my little pity party and quit feeling, feeling so sorry for myself to realize, okay, okay, I said, God, where do you want us to go? And this is where we're going. And I'm giving up some stuff for that to follow you, to obey you. I'm giving up some stuff. But I'll be rewarded for that. I'll be rewarded for that obedience. I'll be rewarded for doing it, especially if I do it without complaining. So sorry about that. Help me. Um, Because I want that reward. I want to live now for that reward later. And some of that time in Dayton was tough. I'll share about that another time. But some of it was double tough. And this idea gave me comfort it gave me joy and so when jesus says count it all joy when this kind of junk happens to you in your life because great is your reward in heaven that's a real thing i've experienced that joy in the midst of difficulty knowing that it is a real thing that i'm going to get rewarded in heaven because of that and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly i think that's very true um but that doesn't mean we don't have to be weird about it. It's just like the one about fasting that says, when you fast, don't like leave your clothes dirty and like go around saying, Woe is me, I'm so starving because I'm fasting, you know. Like, no, wash your face, be a normal person. But it doesn't mean you can't tell people you're fasting. And like I used to fast at college and at lunchtime, people know you're fasting if your tray only has cups of juice on it. It's kind of obvious that you're fasting. And so like that doesn't mean I'm breaking the rule. It's just, I'm just living life, okay? And I think that's true about giving. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't do Harvest Water Africa, which is like, hey, look at us. We have a name and we're going to give a bunch of money and we're going to help a bunch of people. No, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I would hesitate to put my name on the new wing at the hospital personally because I feel like if I put my name on that wing, that's probably my reward, and i don't want my reward to be on this earth i want it to be in eternity does that make sense i'm not going to judge somebody who does put their family's name on the wing at the hospital you know do what you feel like is right but but i wouldn't do it because i want to make sure my reward is there in heaven on the line and not on the dot anybody else have any any questions examples true and, uh, for sure for sure you'll get the IRS saying uh, you claim you give how much <laughs> I don't believe you <laughs> show me a receipt Mhm mhm Yep Yep <coughs> Yeah I agree and I don't I don't have the verse in front of me because there's so many like I said but there's a verse about um When the Pharisees brag about how much they give, right? And Jesus is saying, Don't do that. Look at the widow who gave the two pennies, right? And he says, Don't be like these Pharisees who are bragging about what they give. They've already received their reward. Their reward is fame, their reward is people think they're awesome. That's their reward. But the real reward that Jesus wants us to have is in eternity. So don't be like the, the Pharisees. He's saying, Don't waste your rewards. That's stupid. This life is this long. This part of your life is so little. It's just the eggshell. Eventually, you're going to live forever. And that reward is much better used in eternity than it is now. So don't burn that up. So I I agree about the name thing. I mean, because it seems to me that that's what the Pharisees did. Look at us. Look at how awesome I am. I gave you, God, so much of my herb garden (laughs) is is the example they use, which I think is funny. And, yeah. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mhm. Right, and encourage them to follow and obey what it is God's okay. calling them to do. Mm -hmm. um, yep and it could be that some of the hardships that come our way God allows to come our way just so that we can have rewards in heaven because again he's our father and he loves us and a parent who loves their child knows that sometimes you have to Kind of make your kid do things that are good for them, even if they don't want to. <laughs> you, you make them eat their vegetables and their vitamins and exercise and that sort of thing. And, and, and I think sometimes God might allow things to happen in our life that we don't like so that we can get rewards both for here and for eternity. You know, God allowed Goliath to come against the Israelites because he wanted to give them something, freedom from the Philistines for a few years. That was a wonderful gift. And it came through a giant that wanted to murder them. And that's sometimes how it is. But David, who had faith, went after Goliath, killed him, and he got his sword. He got a bunch of his stuff. He got a job at the palace where he learned how to, fall, fall, how to be a king, which he would need later in life. And no, it was a terrible job, and that's a whole other thing. Um, it was worse than Baker Square, probably. I mean, nobody at Baker Square threw, threw spears at me while, while I was working. You know, whereas David was leading worship and Saul would throw spears at him because he was nuts. Um, and so, God sometimes leads us into difficulty so that we can get prizes and rewards here on earth, like David did, but also in eternity. And sometimes it's both hand. I'm sure David got plenty of eternal rewards for going up against Goliath, um, just like he got some some earthly rewards too. Yeah. right would we have had the letters and think about how much good those epistles that he wrote while he was in prison have done us you know the book of romans my goodness for thousands of years and so it's again and we've talked about this over and over again all year but it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of praying and asking God to help us see things from his perspective, see things from the heavenly perspective and the eternal perspective, and not just to see what we see with our eyes, that our circumstances stink, or that God's asking us to sacrifice, but I don't want to sacrifice. God's asking us to do something that's going to involve suffering, but I don't want to suffer. It's okay to not want to suffer. It's okay to not want to sacrifice. But we need to encourage one another to obey anyway, and it gives us joy to know that we're going to be rewarded for that in eternity. It gives me joy. It helps me. (laughs) Steve. Yes, the oven. (laughs) Yep, yep, I think that's true. Absolutely. M- most of us live and try to survive through the difficult times so that we can get to the good times. But in reality, God just gives us those good times as a rest in between the suffering. That's I, I don't think that's a pessimistic view of the world. I think that's reality. All non-Christians know life is suffering and malevolence. It it's it's not a secret. Okay? Uh, Christianity just says yes and that has a purpose everything in your life has a purpose and nothing is done without God knowing about it so everything that you go through um, out of obedience to him is worth it and you bank all of that whether other people see it or not doesn't matter whether you think it's a big deal or not doesn't matter where it's whether it's one of those major life decisions or a tiny thing pray for this person okay I'll pray for this person good good job there's rewards for all of those things. And so, <coughs> excuse me, what I'd like us to do, and I'll, I'll take a couple more questions, but what I'd like us to do is, you know, for this next week, let's think about are we living for the dot or for the line? Are we living for today or are we living for the rest of our life after this part of it? I'm not saying we can't. There, there, there are certain ways in which we need to live for tomorrow and we need to live for our kids. We, we need to plan for the future of this part of our life absolutely we need to do that i'm not saying don't do that i'm not saying you know any i'm not saying don't send your kids to school because who cares uh, so let's let's not go nuts people sometimes go nuts with ideas they take this idea and they go okay and then looks like oh let's dial it back a few notches okay um but we do want to live with that eternal perspective in mind to realize that this retirement the retirement we have on earth one day is one thing but that retirement is the real retirement Let's let's start working on the 30,000 year plan. Um, Kathy, Did you have something? Mhm. So That's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree, and I remember my dad was asking me how the job was, and I was like, it's crappy, and I was telling him all the reasons. I mean, it was super, super hot, and I have a difficulty with heat, so I had to keep myself drenched the whole time to stay cool enough to even do the job. Um, So there's a lot of things about the job that weren't good. And I'm like, I, I don't know if I want to keep doing it. And he's like, you know, pray about it. But I'd encourage you not to quit. Because you told him you'd work for the summer. And I think you should keep working for the summer. And I was like, do you just like the pie? <laughs> is, this, is this all about the pie, Dad? And he's like, I did. And he's like, well, part of it's about the pie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish he was here, actually. Um, but he said, I don't think you should quit. He said, do, do what you feel you have to do, but I don't think you should quit because you told him you'd work for the summer. I think you should stick it out and then don't do that job again. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I finished out the rest of the summer. I suffered through it and I didn't quit. And I, I'm glad I didn't. Absolutely. Yikes. yeah good job yeah demonstrated to the kids to your children but also to everybody who's there yeah way to go it does god everything is seen that's why that's why i think james says um Be prepared to give an account for the hope that is within you. Like, people see us when we're going through suffering, and yet we have hope. And that makes them want to know, why? Why do you have so much hope? Why are you still in such a good mood? How are you not totally stressed out and bent out of shape? I don't get it. What's the deal? And then we can tell them, it's only Jesus. (laughs) It's only God in me that is giving me this peace and this strength. And that's an incredibly powerful testimony. And in in reality, I think that's a more powerful testimony than here's all the cool things God's done for me recently. That's good. Those are good testimonies. But here's how I'm holding up in the midst of difficulty. That's a more powerful testimony because everybody's been there. And that's tough. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a rewarder of those who seek you. That that's part of who you are, God. You are a rewarder. And Jesus, I pray that you would help us to pay attention to the fact that you are so interested in making sure that we live our life for eternity and not just for now on this earth. And that you are so wanting us to experience all the rewards that we can experience and have the best heaven we can have, that you desire that for us so much. That you're constantly saying, hey, do this so that your reward is greater in heaven. Do this, your reward is greater in heaven. Lord, I pray that you would help us to really get our minds wrapped around this. And that for those of us who need a a mind shift, um, uh, to have our mindset switched or changed, to start thinking eternally versus thinking temporally. I pray that you would help us to do that. Give us that revelation. Help us to, to change our mind. Lord, your word says that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So, Lord, we ask, us, we ask you to renew our minds in this way. Help us to live for the line. Help us to live for our eternal life. And, of course, we're not just doing all these things to get rewards. We're doing them for you, Lord God, for your glory. We know that even if one day we're rewarded a crown, that Every time we go to worship, we're going to lay that crown at your feet. And, Lord, I I want to get as many crowns as I can so I can lay them all down at your feet. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.